Welcome to another episode of Top Lines and Tales, your weekly livestock podcast. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Harbro, for their continued support. This week on Top Lines and Tales, we're going in a different direction again because I'm speaking to Gareth Fielding, who is a, a freelance producer and director currently with the BBC, I think. Gareth, welcome to Top Lines and Tales. Hello, Andy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And, and Gareth, I, last time I saw you, you were behind a camera as well. So are you a, are you a cameraman too? Because we're talking about filming, of course, uh, this Farming Life series. And I bumped into you at the, at the Royal Highland Show when you were there working away by, behind the camera. Is, is that one of your jobs as well? Uh, that's true, yeah. So um, on, on this series of uh, This Farming Life, I've, I've actually been the series producer. So that's mostly a, an office-based job, but kind of in charge of... Um, overseeing the production as a whole and making sure that uh, we're all communicating with each other and, and you know making sure that at the end of the uh, of the production we, we've got amazing hours of TV. So um, that's my kind of day to day job. But uh, I've spent a lot of my career out in the field as well filming. And the day I met you at the Highland Show was just a, a rare treat for me on this one where I thought I need to get out. I need to see the Highland Show. And, oh, it was well worth a visit. What, what an incredible event that is. It's, it's just huge, isn't it? It is huge, yeah. You pulled rank on the other guys, did you, saying I'm going to have a little bit of this back m- myself? And a yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just thought, you know, I thought they, they need some help on this one. This is the big one. Um, I need to come out. And, and, and enjoy it too, and, and get out and see the farmers, because it had been too long. Yeah, sure. Well, we'll go on to this farming life in a second, but just stepping back a little bit, you started your um, TV career, should I say, then on a program called A New Life in the Sun, which a lot of people will watch, where you follow expats like myself in, uh, and, and into the, to the hot of, of, of middle France, where I'm at the moment, where it's about 37 degrees, and that was a pretty popular program, and uh, interesting, I would imagine, you'd, you'd have met some interesting and rather strange people. Absolutely, yeah. It was um, that was I think it was 2015. I filmed that. That was series one I worked on. I think it, it's still going strong as well on Channel Four. Um, and yeah, this, that series was all about Brits moving to France and Spain to set up new businesses. Uh, so I was in charge of the French team on that one, based in a city called Perigueux, which I think is not that far from you yep. in the Dordogne. And um, yeah, following following people setting up B and Bs. We had a guy who had bought a Land Rover parts company and he was incredibly specialist in, in a tiny village and just sold Europe wide for these parts. That was a, a strange one. And uh, dabbled in farming on that by filming a British couple who bought a vineyard, which was fascinating to see a subject very close to my heart. I don't know about yours, but um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a nice part of the world. And, and, and then you move back in, in, in I think, the more similar thing in the, the lakes and the Lake District and the Lakes of the Yorkshire Dales, I think, and Devon and Cornwall. You got around a little bit doing a similar format, I guess. <laughs> yes, that's true. I've, I've, I think for the last five or six years, I've focused on series celebrating everything to do with rural life. So, uh, yeah, the first was Devon and Cornwall. I also did a series called Wondrous Wales for um, Dales and Lakes, the Pennines. Uh, yes, I've been steadily working my way up the country, uh, meeting all, all, all the amazing people out there and, and learning so much about farming as I've gone along as well. Okay. Uh, and, you know, from uh, potato farmers in, in Cornwall to hill farmers in, 
in the Brecon Beacons in Wales and, and, and up through the, the Pennines all the way up to Scotland. Okay, brilliant. So, so you have got some ground because I believe this is your first year on This Farming Life, which is now in its sixth series. And, and we should just announce that it's coming out. The uh, first episode is coming out on, on Monday next week if you're listening to this podcast live. Um, if you're listening to it three, two or three weeks' time, then go back and find the first series, because first episode rather. But, uh, yeah, you joined, you joined this year, really, didn't you? Um, so... I suppose you're grounding your CV and what you've done before gave, got you into that role. I think so. Yeah, I think I think we'll have played a, a huge part. And 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 when the, the offer came my way, I, I, I leapt at it because I think uh, the, you know there's the the great thing is there's so much public interest in in farming and and just agricultural work in general. You know, you look at things like Clarkson's Farm, that I've worked on in the past. Uh, lambing lives, things like that, and and but this farming life, I think that's held up there, and and particularly with the farming community as well. I think it's a very re- well respected series, uh, and I've always enjoyed it myself. I, I t- so I, I let I absolutely leapt for the chance. I totally agree with you on that. That it is a farming series. We do believe it's realistic, and there's various parts of farming, and we'll chat to who's on this year's series in a minute. But there's various different parts of farming, but um, some of them, of course, would would be. Real farmers, I would call. A lot of these people are real farmers. On the first series, you had uh, Mel and Martin Irvin there with the limousine cattle and John Scott, a friend of mine up there in Tain, and uh, real farmers with full-time jobs. And, and uh, it would become a little bit of, a, of an imposition to some of these people. I mean, yeah, they, they buy into it, but uh, do, they, do they know what they're walking into when they take it on? Um, I think well, we try our best to brief them. I think it's a, it is... We, 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 we're making 12 hours of TV, which for anyone who knows, just it takes a long time. Um, our filming window is nine months. That's nine months where we've got two teams out on the ground filming five days a week or, or more sometimes, depending on what's happening. Um, so that means that for our five farmers for this series, you know, they had a, a film crew arrive two, three days a week sometimes um, following whatever it was they're doing. So yeah, it, it is, it's a, it's a big ask and nothing but admiration. And I'm just so grateful that, that the people we filmed this year have let them into their lives and, and, and shared what they do and shared the highs and the lows. Okay. okay let's just talk about some of that filming in, in a bit more detail then. And uh, as I said, a little bit of inconvenience to those. And sometimes you might just have to step away when the, when the, the job gets heated, which it does. And I've never been on it for that very reason. Sometimes we get a bit hot-headed and start throwing the toys out of the pram. And there'll be times you've got to step <laughs> back, but uh, you've also got to know what to edit out, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, with it being um, observational documentary, you know, it's fly on the wall. So, we don't know what's going to happen on the day, just like uh, who we're filming. Uh, we we go along when, when there's a plan. So say, I don't know, there's a plan to do to, to, to bolus the cattle today. Then we'll think, great, we'll go along, we'll film that, and um, maybe find out if there's any uh, particular cows that are a character for whatever reason, and, and, and make sure that we film those moments. But, but we don't we don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, sometimes things get heated and and and, and quite stressful. I think. Um, our crews are so experienced. Um, many of them have worked on previous series as well. And so they're used to working around livestock. They're used to working with farmers. They, they've got a good idea of what their job entails. And so they know often when to step back, um, particularly in an emergency situation where 
you really don't want to be getting in the way at all. Yes, you want to, that's right, getting your van and drive away. I understand, but um, <laughs> the, yeah, that, that's good to know then. So you're new to the series, but that's good to know that a lot of these people, the, the guys out there, have done quite a few of these series already because you said it. You know, all these things, experience is something you get about uh, 10 minutes after you needed it, isn't it? And you know, the fact that people have been on, these guys have been on and done it before, that gives them a, a lot easier. And, and it's about people as well. I mean, it's not about the livestock. You know, you'll say that we go back to your program new life in the sun there it's a people-based thing and the farming is the same isn't it? It's, it, it, it it people like to see the well maybe look at the cuddle factor of some of the animals in a second but people like to they like to get to know the people and right get inside them it's all all about the the people themselves isn't it <coughs> absolutely that's that's documentary making in a nutshell really. you know observational documentary you follow people with a specialism, whatever that might be, you know, whether it was me popping down to France and, and filming Brits, setting up businesses, or spending a whole series filming farmers doing what they're doing. But at the heart of any documentary, it's the people doing that job. It's the, it's, it's the human aspect and, and letting, getting that person to, to open up and really uh, let you know how it feels to do what they do and, and, and how you battle through those hard moments and just how amazing those high moments are when they come. Sure. So sure. and a bit very clever, and I suppose you said that's documentary making that you're used to, but it's very clever the fact that you rarely see the, the, the realize that the camera's there from the from the people's point of view. I mean, you take the likes of Ray, Raymond Irvin, you know, with, with his, um, Raymond, a great character that he is, he's wandering around the yard and shedding at his dad and various things, but you never see him turn to the camera or you never see him look or notice the camera as though yeah. it's following around. A lot of that is in the edit or, or some of these people just naturally ignore ignore the camera altogether. Uh, probably a bit of both, but I think I think for the most part, when when you have a, I think for the first few days of a, a, a TV crew turning up to, to film you at work, it feels a little bit odd. But then um, give it give it a few weeks, and and you know we, we're very good at becoming part of the furniture, and and you just get used to someone saying, "How are you feeling?" every single day. How do you feel? How do you feel about about that gate that these men think? <laughs> how do you feel about you know? The, uh, the price of livestock at the moment and you just get used to answering those questions and getting on with the job because um, and, and, and that's kind of part of the reason why we need to spend so long out with people just so that they become so relaxed and and, and, and you get that natural program and, and, and it is and the focus is all on the farmer and the farm then isn't it it's because the focus should never be on us as the people making it because we're not the subject at the end of the day but you're very clever at doing that as i said it's you know it isn't like you've got somebody interviewing what you do on some programs you you might be asking questions so you can open them up but basically it, it looks natural they're just going about their daily business as you said you, know, you guys are chameleons in the background just blending in and, and just happen to be there and film it and it's a you know it's a clever a clever remit that you guys have got and obviously it's a it's, a, it's an experience and you talk about you know the, the amount of time that you spend there what sort of uh, length of time what sort of number of recorded hours should we say i mean can, can you can you get retakes do you go back and you, know, take, you, you take it in one take or you just film something and then think realize you've got to throw it away is a chance to retakes let's start there yeah um, well with fly on the wall documentary really it should be a, a case of it is a case of what you film is what you get. Sometimes you, you might have to say, could you just walk back into the shed for me afterwards? You know, you might need to go, uh, you missed that shot. Or if, say, you were getting a close-up of, a, of an animal at the moment and, and, and the farmer says something amazing, you might go, oh, could you just say that again for me? But for the most part, what you see on TV is what our teams have quite expertly managed to capture. And then this is where that experience of having worked on previous series of it as well, they're able to get that feel of, when to be in the right place, when to ask 
those questions, you know, when, 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 when the farmers have time to even think about what we're asking. Um, it is, yeah, the, 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 I suppose, you know, we try and do it as seamlessly as possible. Okay. Um, and then with, with observational documentary, I mean, I, I always, it's like being given a jigsaw puzzle, but you haven't seen the final image. No one's showing you that. And on the floor, you've just got a million pieces from a million different jigsaws. And it's your job just to gather them all up and work out how they fit together. And so uh, as far as like, how much we film versus how much ends up on TV, we've been filming for nine months and we've made 12 hours of TV. So I think it probably works out at, I don't know, maybe 20% of what we film makes it into the program. But that's just because we don't know what the story's going to be. Like I say, you know, we, we turn up, we come with the best intentions of, oh, that sounds like an interesting activity to come and follow. And how does it connect to... Uh, your goal this year we're always looking at goals and trying to work out how we tell that story as it's happening okay um and then when we get into the edits that's where we start looking at all these various jigsaw pieces and working out how they fit together and how we can tell that story in a in an accurate and informative and entertaining way it sounds complicated and you're the clever guy in the middle there picking pick up all the bits and putting them together that's <laughs> that's you and i've done a bit of that myself and i know how hard that is i mean even on a podcast sometimes mm. we have to shuffle things around there so uh, no no hats off to to all of you really and 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 the program itself you say you sent uh, two teams of two so what you've got a sound man and a cameraman working independently to each other or sometimes all in the same place uh, they're all, so, um, yeah, two teams on the ground all the time. So we have a director who is also a camera operator, and they have a researcher with them who is also doing the sound. So they're the ones running around with the microphone on the end of the long boom pole. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's a big, you know, documentary has changed a lot, in even in my career over the last 20 years, where you, there are fewer programs where you have a large crew come out to film. And... In you know, so it means that we've had to adapt and re-specialize and combine various skills. And just do it all yourself, and so, you know, become a bit of a one-man band. Yeah. But it's hard work. But at the same time, you achieve something with those small teams that I think would be hard to achieve with a crew of say five or six people filming. I think that there's an intimacy there, and you can build a much stronger relationship with the people you're filming with because there's so few of you and because you, you just, your presence simply isn't getting in the way in the same way as a group of people all there sure. staring at you. If you've got a director and a researcher and a producer, you're right, then you end up with five or six people. So you've got guys doing, doing two, wearing two or three hats at the same time. And, and I, I totally get that. And, and, and your same crew then that once they're assigned to wherever they are, I mean, we've had in the past, operations in Orkney and, and out on the Western islands. And again, we'll talk about where you're going this year, but, um, the same people do that stick with those people all the time so they build that relationship or do you just send the crews who the nearest crew to the nearest place oh <clears throat> uh, no that is no the, that, that's very that's true we do we try our best as much as possible to keep the same crews at the same farm so in this series we've had five farms and two crews so obviously we've got another number there which means that there is undoubtedly a little bit of sharing but for the most part each farm uh has had the same crew turn up each week okay. um, and, and, and it's that crew that liaises with them 
week to week saying, you know, finding out what's coming up in the calendar and what kind of things we might be welcome to come along and, 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 and try and capture. So they've got a direct contact with the crew as well as, as well as through yourself. Then, yeah, that, uh, that exactly. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Let's just for those people who haven't watched the, this farming live, go back and watch it because it's series six, as I said, no, but I mean, five fantastic series. And that diversity, I think, again, came through with the series. We had uh, Stevie Mitchell on there with his buffalo and making his mozzarella, which was something different. And, and then. As I said, Raymond Irvin there up there in the hills with his, with his valley black-nosed sheep, fantastic. And we've had uh, um, Ronnie Black on with with his um, uh, um, with the Clydesdales and, and, and the girls, a couple of girls in Orkney. I mean, there's been some fantastic diversity in some of those there. And, and how, do, how do people get on this series? And obviously, you've got people, you have to get, I suppose, the smaller hobby business to appeal to some of the smaller, some of the general public rather than the great big uh, um, farming businesses how, how do people how do you guys pick you must have hundreds of uh, applications every every series how, how do you work this out <laughs> uh, well, yes, um, I, I wasn't part of the ca- I, I came onto this just as um the casting process as we call it had, had ended but i think it took i think it took a couple of months because you know coming into series six uh, quite a lot of people got in touch i, I don't know do you know how many but um it is hard, and, 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 and as well as uh, people contacting us, we call around auction houses or maybe um, you know, other agri- large agricultural businesses that, that, that know the community, sure. and we'll, we'll contact those people and, and say, you know, is there anyone that you think's worth getting in touch with? And like you say about diversity, you know, variety is the spice of life, isn't it? You know, you, you, for, a, for a TV program that, where you, you want it to appeal to both I like, well, I love how strong a following it's got in the farming community for a start. I think the fact it's well respected and well watched by the farming community is amazing. But to also appeal to the general public who might not even live in the countryside, you, you want to create uh, an interesting mix both in terms of uh, what people are farming and also where they're farming. So I think with this being a series based in Scotland, um, it's really important to be up in the hills with some people to get some lowland farming and probably very importantly also to be on one of the islands. Yeah, yeah. Good. So that is a big deciding factor as well. So as we start narrowing down who we think could work, it's, it's about fitting those pieces together as much as sure. how good the individuals are that have come forward to us. Uh, so, yeah, it's a... You said you weren't part of the vetting process or the decision process on, on choosing these people, but how, how do they do that? Are people all called in when you say, right, we've got a final short list of 20 or 15 or whatever. Are they all called in to come and do an interview or do you go out and, or do they go out and have a look at those ones on farm and decide who's going to yeah. get it or, or you guys just work, work from instinct? Um, no, that is, yeah, um, yeah, part of the casting is we will, um, the, we, we tend to have a casting producer and a casting researcher for a, for a, a, a month or so that will start they'll first of all do a phone around and then as we start shortlisting uh, it involves uh, recording some Skype interviews and then we reach a point where they'll go and visit the farms and film a sort of a little pilot, you know, a little taster tape of, of, of what life's like and, and that helps and then we'll take that uh, to the exec producer and, and the commissioners and lots of higher level decisions are made after that. Okay. Do, do you feel... Um I've had a, a different a media guy actually on the on the podcast next week that just been recording uh, in Gareth Wynne Jones who, who's very much a social media guy should I say although he's done a lot of BBC work and, and he sort of mentions or intimates that we all have a responsibility to 
break up this disconnection with with, with the public and and agriculture. And I think that that gap is getting wider. And some things like this farming life are there to to narrow that gap. And likewise with the Clarkson's Farm that you mentioned to to narrow that gap to bring yeah. an education to the public. Do you feel a responsibility to be able to educate the the, the public? And that's something that, that that is that is that a is that a bonus for you? <clears throat> It is about it, absolutely. I mean, you know, the old Reefian values of the BBC where it's set up was to educate, inform and entertain. And so I, I, I do, I've always sort of had that in the back of my mind as I've made any programme. I think it's, um, I, I suppose with with farming particularly and, and, and sort of educating the wider public, my job is to help the people who are the experts, the farmers that we're filming, it's my job is to, I'm the conduit, you know, I'm the one that's helping them explain what they're doing so that the general public can watch and learn from them. Okay. It's not my job to do the teaching, it's the people that we're filming. Sure, but you do, yeah, that, that responsibility, as I said, is there to, to, oh, to yeah. try and educate the public as to where their food comes from. And I think that's, yeah, that's the bit that, that we, yeah. all, we all need to play a part in. It is really important, isn't it? And I, I think that um, it's, it's very easy to go into a supermarket and buy some food. And um, I think when you, when you watch programs like this and you, you, you realize how much effort, how many hours are spent working to get your food on the table, uh, yeah, and, you can have nothing but respect. And, and, and let's just turn that on its head a little bit then. As I said, um, Ronnie Black on the last series there with the Clydesdale horses, something different, but a little bit of a cuddle factor there, seeing those foals being born, and calves, lambs being born. That's what the public love, and that's what they, they watch a program for. But again, that doesn't really hold up for showing where the meat comes from. So you've got a little bit of a balancing act to do there. Yeah, you have. And, and that's also an important part for us as well. And, and, and one of the farms we have in this series, we, uh, well, two of them, actually, there's two farms that we have where we um, were looking at the, 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 the back end of raising livestock and, and getting them ready for the table. Um, and I think that's been really interesting and really important to do. There, there's, uh, like you say, the off, often the focus is on lambing and which is an amazing time of year, uh, not without its down, mo- down moments, but obviously incredibly cute animals come along. And as part of a series like this, where we're filming across the year, it's an amazing treat as you're working through. And I think that it's um, even more enjoyable to watch because you've seen all the hard work that's gone into preparing the the ewes or the or the cows for the winter. Sure, sure. And, and, and you say... When we get to the, to the meat side of it, I mean, the BBC is seen to be having have an agenda in amongst the agricultural community of sort of being, I won't say being on, on, on not quite down the middle of the road, but that's maybe a controversial point. But um, is, would there be things that the BBC would cut out? I mean, you know, the death and blood and you know, killing some lambs on the butcher's, on the butcher's table and, and the, the blood and, and the swearing, etc. I mean, are there things that you put through and, and you think, well... BBC are going to, going to overrule me and edit this out, or is it just purely your decision to what is right within uh, the program? Yeah. I mean, I definitely couldn't speak to, you know, the BBC in a wider context, but for this program, it's um, part of the brief is that we know it goes on TV. It, it's broadcast before nine o'clock, so it's pre-watershed, which means that, uh, as you'll know as a farmer yourself, you know, it, it, farming, there are some horrific moments, and um, we, we are often there filming those moments, and a lot of those stories do make it into the series and it's a question of taste as much as anything you know we i think it's important to be able to tell the story but at the same time you don't necessarily need to go overboard with sort of gory pictures okay you know there's a there's a balance to be achieved and, and that's very much a 
something that we're working, we work out as we're going along and editing these episodes. And, and, and the decision, decision stops with you on that one, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we'll, you know, we, we, uh, the program's commissioned by the BBC and we have commissioners that watch it too. So it's, it, they, they have the sort of final say as our, our clients telling us what they want as a program, but they trust us. We know what we're making. We, you know, there's a very experienced team. It's, uh, there's a good, there's at least 40 people, I think, all in all on the team. So um, right. we've got a good idea of what works and what doesn't work. Sure, people have done it before as well. So that yeah, that, that makes sense. And, yeah. and and you are out there. Your BBC's out there, millions of viewers, and I think you've, you've, the, the viewers' ratings of this is probably growing still. You're certainly now broadcast in England as well as started off just in Scotland. So you, you, numbers are up there, as I said. But then I mentioned earlier on you know, some of the people that are on there, and Emma Gray was another one there with her sheepdogs and moving to a lovely farm, from, or Scotland, lowland Scotland, to a lovely farm on, on, on the islands. And uh, they, then, yeah. they then had a spin-off from that, from that with, uh, with a YouTube channel, which uh, I think is sort of doing quite well for them there. I mean, just go a little bit onto the social media side versus, I suppose, mainstream TV mm-hmm. side. Is that starting to become an issue that there's more and more stuff people sit there watching YouTube on these things and people with their own YouTube channels or, or, or is that helping is it all yeah. helping the cause? It's um yeah, welcome to twenty first century broadcast. It's a, a, a an interesting brave new world, isn't it? And it's something that I think as we're settling into it over over twenty years of working in T V I've seen social media become a, a, a big a bigger and bigger thing. And um I think we're reaching a point now where they're working hand in hand more. Um, I think that in the case of, say, Emma, you know, it, for, for people who've watched her and Ewan on This Farming Life and wanted to follow them on, fantastic. They've got a, a YouTube channel to carry on following their story. And, and, and then vice versa, you, you often have people who became famous because of social media channels and, and then end up finding work on broadcast television. So I think that there's, you know, Things are merging, aren't they? And they um, they are working hand in hand more. And I suppose with uh, broadcast television, uh, the uh, the streaming services, whether you know iPlayer or, or the others, uh, are playing a, a very very important part too. And the lovely thing about something like iPlayer is it means a program like this gets to re- reach a, an even wider audience because sure. not everyone was sitting down at eight o'clock on a Tuesday night to watch it. And uh, they've just uh, uh, taken the last series off iPlayer to make way ready for this new one. And, you know, it'll stay on there for a year and, and we're finding new fans all the way through the year, which is just fantastic. So absolutely right there. I don't get too much time to watch live TV. They're living in a different time zone, but we do watch all these things on there. And, and we talk about filming. I've seen in one or two of the previous episodes anyway, that sort of the guys out on the, the, the quad bike in the middle of the night in the snow, they're um, filming mm-hmm. to, to find a, a dead sheep or whatever. Uh, they film their own. So you get guys there with their own, you give them a camera or do they just pick up their iPhone and go out and film a bit and then you, you weave that into, into your into your own stuff? Yeah, we uh, each each farm we give them a diary camera at the beginning of the year because obviously we're not there all the time and and sometimes the uh it, it always happens in telly where you, you you come back to visit someone and they say oh you should have been here yesterday <laughs> so, oh you missed the amazing last week yeah. and so the diary camera is fantastic it's, it's it's great for two reasons you know not only is it an immediate thing that um they can just pick up and start recording and and it's much more personable if they're telling directly their story and and, and being in that moment um and and it just it it, it gives a more uh, an interesting dynamic. It gives an intimacy to the program to have that angle too. Um, so yeah, we we give the diary cameras. Okay. 
Brilliant. And and you say it's not scripted, and, and I believe you on that. You don't sort of tell the, 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 the farmers what to say and, and how to say it, but you do have a narrator. And uh, again, brilliant sort of talks over what's happening or where we're going now, happening on these farms, and that sort of pops up all through the, through the, the, the programs too. So uh, that obviously is scripted. I mean, who puts that script together and, and who does that for you? Right. So the, uh, yeah, that's uh, very much one of the last sort of stages of, of, of making a program. So as you're looking at all these different jigsaw pieces of, uh, you know, bits of footage from different days and, 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 and different events, uh, and you start to edit them and piece them together and try and explain what that story is. When you're in the moment and out filming in the field, it's, it's impossible to, to get the people you're filming to explain every single thing you need them to explain, uh, in a, in, a, in, a quick, in a quick, coherent way, you know, so you, you have to mix it up. And this is where voiceover is just so useful. It helps bridge those gaps. It helps deliver uh, some essential information nice and quickly. It, it, um, it unifies the series, doesn't it? So as you're going from farm to farm, you've got the same voice carrying you along. Um, the voiceover was written in the editing process and then gets finessed as we finish a program. And... Uh, the voiceover recording is, is the last thing to happen. So uh, just last week I was with Rona Morris and the actress who does the voiceover for the series um, recording. I'm trying to remember what we do last year, last week, episodes seven, eight, nine, and 10. So we've got two more episodes to record. Um, so race, a race to the finish before it starts going on TV next week. Well, that, that's brilliant. I mean, this year is slightly different because the programmes come forward. I think you don't normally air this till after Christmas or so, and this year it's starting in the autumn. So evidently you, you've still got some episodes or still got some of the farming year still to film. So you're actually still shooting while, while you, you, you're putting the first one out there to the public. Uh, well, we've, we've actually finished filming for this series. Um, every year... The, the, the filming calendar and when we start and finish uh, has changed slightly. So on, on this, we started filming at the very end of September, beginning of October, and finished um, late June, early, early July. So, which is an interesting part of the challenge as well, is to look at all those different farming milestones in, in the year and, and work out how, you know, where's our beginning for this series? How does that... Um, how does that translate for, for each of the different farms and, and, and what they're doing? And we were very lucky with, with our finale because we've got the lovely huge event that is the Royal Highland Show as sort of the, the piece de resistance in episode 12. Yeah, okay, which, okay. Um, yeah you should definitely have a little look out for, Andy, because uh, <laughs> there might be a cameo from you. <laughs> oh, no, I hope not. I hope not. I hope not. Um, but you do... In, in certain instances, and again, this is probably before your time, but certain instances, people have, have run over two series, haven't they? I think uh, um, mm. Raymond Irvin ran over two series. I think Martin and Mel did in the first series because their year uh, maybe hadn't quite finished. Especially, we go on to who's on this time. Two or three of the guys, of course, in the in the sheep and, uh, sales business and the sheep sales mm. just just happening just now. So, in, in certain instances, I guess you you just run it into the next series. So you're still filming for the next one, uh, keeping the guys going. Is, is that a bit of that going to happen this time? Uh, it's, it's not at the moment, no. So I'm not sure what what will happen after this one at the moment. Um, for for now, we've we've definitely finished filming, so we we, we know exactly what we've got for this series. Okay. And um, yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure what will happen in the future. I have to watch this space. Okay, okay. We'll watch this space. We will, and watch this program. We will. So tell us a little bit more about who's on this time. I do know that a good friend of mine, uh, um, Beachy and, and Hetty, and their children. Um, 
John and Heather Barkley, to give them their official title. I know that they're on there. Let's start with them, with, with the three kids as well. A, a hilarious bunch of kids that just about everybody in the pedigree livestock business knows already, and we're all looking forward to that one. Interesting, interesting filming that one, I guess. Oh, I know. What, what, what incredible lads. I mean, you know, John and Heather are, are wonderful, but the, the boys just steal the show, don't they? they uh, they're, just, they're so articulate. They're so good at... Uh, explaining what they're doing, their, their their level of knowledge and their work ethic, it knows no bounds. Um, John's an excellent teacher, and they're excellent students. Um, yeah, absolutely incredible. It's 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 great to see that next generation kind of gearing up and getting ready. And and, and those guys do have their own um, YouTube channel. We mentioned earlier on. I mean, for all youngsters, they mm. are. They've got their own YouTube channel. I'm doing well with it. I mean, there's probably a, probably a career in that for them. So you're probably giving these guys a leg up into into the media media business. <laughs> I know. I've been thinking that. I think uh, Cammy Wilson probably needs to watch his back with these two. They're uh, they're, they're they're gunning for him. I think um, they'll they'll be stealing his job before long. I think <laughs> there's certainly a good rapport between them, them and Cammy as well. I think uh, there's there's room for few yeah. more, room for a few more sheep guys. And, and who else have we got? To, what other delights <laughs> have we got on on the, the the show this year? Then who else is on there? Just tell us a little bit. Okay, so uh, staying down in the in the southwest, we also feel we filmed with um, Cammy Jackson and and his partner Rachel Hamilton. Um, who both from farming backgrounds, but just a couple of years ago uh, took on the tenancy at Dunrod Farm in Inverkip. And, uh, and so we followed them as they're trying to build up their flock numbers, uh, increase their cattle numbers. And just what they wanted to tell is just show that it is possible for young people to take on a farm. And, and I think they've demonstrated that really, really well. And also show just how challenging it is. But yeah, as ever, it's amazing when you see uh, it, it, the, the way that people just plow on is just incredible. There's a farming pun for you. Um, and then and moving on up the country uh, in the Cairngorms National Park, we've got Robert McKenzie, a uh, crofter in Newton Moor, who, who took over the croft from his dad five years ago um, after 15 years working in construction and, and not really planning to take on the croft and so that's been fascinating to watch uh, as he's um you know he's, he's been steadily learning all the tricks of the trade over the years and 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 now very much going to the point where he's the one making the decisions and deciding what's best for the future of their croft okay. whilst his partner jenny has started investing in a diversification project where she's uh, bought some alpacas for alpaca tracking because okay. it's the cangorms <laughs> um <laughs> And then, uh, just stop you. From... Just stop you on that one a second. Yeah. They're filming in the Cairngorms, and, and I think on the islands as well. Must have been horrendous. I mean, the, the rain and, and the th- <laughs> we probably should have gone back to congratulate your your sound guys and, and well, sound guys more than anything else. <laughs> I mean, filming in sideways rain must be a nightmare. It's a uh, it's, it's it's a challenge. It's amazing how many pairs of socks you can get through in a week, <laughs> isn't it? Um, I I was lucky enough to go to uh, one of our other farms up on North Uist, um Angus McDonald's uh, Croft, Ardvarn Croft, where they've got um, a, a large herd of, of, of highlands that they uh, winter on a little island called Valley. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's an island they own just off the northern tip of North Uist, and they walk them across this tidal sandbar. Okay. Uh, what an incredible moment. So yeah. I was lucky to go up there in November to help the team film that one. And it was so windy, I couldn't open the door to the car. I couldn't, you know, it was like I had... 10 men on the other side pushing it closed. How our teams managed to 
battle through that. Yeah. yeah, it is incredible, and it's just great. We can hear everything. <laughs> it, is, it is. Yeah, you'll need to edit some of the sound down a little bit to get the wind noise out. And who else? You mentioned one more. I think there's yeah. one more. There were five. Uh, yeah. So then, um, yeah, we've uh, um, North Uist, and then up in um, in Murray, we have uh, Nikki and Ollie Lake, who uh, are a couple completely new to farming um, and bought their own small holding five, six years ago and are trying their hand at various livestock, including buffalo. And it's really interesting. It's, you know, as a a kind of um, contrast to the more traditional farms, it's interesting to see people coming into it and having a go and showing us just how difficult it is and how rewarding it is at the same time. I think it's important for, you know, viewers watching to get a sense of you know i'm sure there's plenty of people sitting home that go oh i could do that yeah. so it's interesting to see people really having a go brilliant give them encouragement to a lot of people that are out there and people that out there listen to this podcast to art farmers as well to realize that you can get in on the farming act and you've got to start somewhere and, and, and get in there not easy not an easy life but uh, it's a great life a great life and you've obviously picked that up and i'll just go back to one of the people that you're filming, anyway, you mentioned Cammy Jackson, and uh, Cammy, well known to the to the livestock community and people on this podcast. His brother was on the podcast last week. In fact, his brother Ali and his father will be on in one of the days. Um, and and those guys are getting married, I know, because there's a wedding coming up there, and everybody's heading off to the Isle yeah. of Tyree. So, so you, are you heading across there, yeah. Gareth? Are you, are you going for? You're going to film that one? Sadly, not just because of timings and the fact that we're finishing the program in in just a couple of weeks. But um, we, we we've asked them to do a bit of a a video diary for us on on their big day to send over because we'd really like to add that to the um to the final program i think you know they they, they announced their engagement in the series i won't tell you when i think you need to just watch it all uh but yeah congratulations to them and, and what a venue for a wedding <laughs> what a venue i know a lot of the people that are going to that and that will be some wedding i think there'll be a lot of editing to do when you get that film back in there from uh, from all of them not, not just from the groom himself but from all of them there'll be there'll be a lot of drink taken i think it's it's one of the one of the one of the highlights of the whiskey olympics i think that one this year so yeah likewise likewise i wish i think wish them well <laughs> I think the guest list is larger than the actual population of Tyree as well. So uh, definitely, yeah, it's quite the influx. I think they're going to hire an entire boat to take them over there. I think I think Alan's driving it. Actually, I think that was that's what I heard last time. So, so uh, uh, brilliant. And, and you said you came from a place in the sun, and, and you've worked your your way up to England till you get into the to the to the north and wet part. Now, any regrets? Say, you going to fancy going back to to filming back in in France and a bit more sunshine, or is this you now from from, from now on working? You'll be the North Pole next year. I <laughs> know, yeah. Where, where am I going next? It's going to be, uh, yeah, the Faroe Islands or something. I'm just steadily working my way north. Who knows? I don't, I don't know what project's coming up next, but um, I, I, I'm just, I'm just so privileged, you know. To, I, I, I absolutely love my job, and, and, and the big, the real joy of the job for me is that I get to meet so many amazing people from so many different backgrounds, and, and they let you into their world. You know, you, you get to see backstage and how they do what they do makes you very good at pub quizzes um (laughs) (laughs) and it's just you know every day is a school day for me and 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 to be part of the team telling their story is just such a privilege um and this family life has been absolutely no exception. It's been it's been a real joy of a year working on this program. What a dream job! What a dream job! I think we're all envious of. Fantastic! And and, <laughs> and can we expect more series? Can you divulge that? Will there be more series of this farming life? Don't, please don't tell us this is the last one because we're all we're all gagging for more of it every year. Well, watch this space. We definitely have. We're, we're in talks. We're having some very very positive talks. Um, and one thing I would say, if if you don't mind, Andy. Um, uh, to any of your listeners that think you might be interested in getting in touch because you, you, you might think you'd be good for the series, uh, if I could give you an email, 
Um, it's This Farming Life S6. So S6 is series. It's just our current email. So This Farming Life S6 at bbc.co.uk. And if you just send us an email and in the subject put um, Farmer for New Series or something, and uh, our team will keep an eye on those emails and, and come back to you. Excellent, excellent. Well, there you go. There's commission coming my way on this one, Gareth. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, of course, there, there is no payment for these people. I don't think... It, it's a, we just mentioned that. Is there a recompense put them, for them putting it out there? Putting it out? No, that's documentary, yeah. Um, with, you know, documentary is about people... It's, 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 it's a voluntary thing, really. You know, it's, it's, that's often the case with documentary. We, you, you, it shouldn't be doing it for the money. It should be for telling your story okay. and wanting to tell your story. Okay, well, you guys out there, anybody wants to tell the story to Gareth and, and the BBC on, the, on a subsequent series and you're based in and around Scotland there, uh, get your emails in there. And Gareth, it's been an absolute pleasure. I know you're rushing off to do things today, which is why we caught this fairly early morning. But it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you about this farming life. And, and uh, I, I hope the view, viewing goes well on your first series and, and, uh, and you get all the, all the credit. Thank you so much. And uh, just to confirm, it starts on uh, Monday, the 28th of August, but that's on BBC Scotland. It airs on BBC Scotland first, eight o'clock on Monday nights, starting the 28th of August, and then is on BBC Two across the UK on Tuesday nights, starting on the 29th of August uh, for 12 weeks, but will stay on iPlayer for quite a while. So if you're tuning into the podcast in a couple of months time i'm sure it'll be still be there okay. still be there on iplayer for you to find okay brilliant well i'm certainly looking forward to it myself anyway gareth and, and it, was, it was a pleasure bumping into you a chance meeting really at the highland show and i think a, <laughs> a lot of our listeners will have enjoyed hearing a little bit on, on to behind the stage as you say behind the scenes in, in this farming life so thanks very much for your time thank you thanks andy Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Top Lines and Tales, and I hope you found that one as interesting as I did. And uh, as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Harbro, for their continued support of this podcast. You guys don't know about Harbro, you need to get out there and just have a look. As well as feeds, Harbro manufacture a whole range of energy and mineral buckets for cattle and sheep. And uh, throughout August and September, they've got early delivery discount rates uh, available. So uh, get in touch with Harbro to find out a bit more. They save yourself some money uh, being a being a top lines and tails listener there as well. Just uh, go and thank them for their sponsorship for this and uh, and get yourself some discount throughout uh, August and September on those uh, range of mineral buckets and uh, contact your local representative to find out more about Harborough and what, how you can order and or look them up on online and on social media and while you're on social media don't forget to join our Top Lines and Tales Facebook community where you'll find more information to back up this and previous episodes.